Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Uh, Our top story is that by the time you're hearing this, it will be very close to the disappearing patron party. So if you want to come to our January first Friday disappearing patron party, go ahead, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. And I think you can just try to read the post and it'll tell you what tier to subscribe to. So anyway, hope to see you there. And what's going on in uh, in the world of sports and vaccinations? Well, I'm trying to find the pronunciation that you helped me with of this guy's name. It's Novak Djokovic. Yep. Although I call him Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic. That would be <laughs> an accurate name for him. There's a controversy going on surrounding him that is kind of turning into a lightning rod of political division, not just in Australia, but around the world. So this guy is the number one tennis player in the world, and he traveled to Australia for the Australian Open that is starting on January 17th. And when he got there, he was detained by the Border Patrol in Australia, and he has been held in a hotel that they turned into an immigration detainment center that is widely known for having maggots in the food, of being terrible conditions, prison-like conditions. This is what this news is reporting about this building anyway and he's been detained over there since wednesday here's the backstory kind of summed up so he wasn't going to come to australia to play because he has refused to show his vaccination status in the past and if he didn't get a medical exemption he wasn't going to play in australia or the open is requiring a medical exemption or you have to be vaccinated. So he applied for and he received a medical exemption from the tenant from Tennis Australia and announced that he was going to be traveling to Australia to go play in the Open. Now this guy is tied for multiple records all time in tennis. If he wins the Open, he would break multiple records. So he gets to Australia expecting to play in the tournament, but when he got there, he stopped at the border and as I said, he was detained, but Then he was held for eight hours at the airport in Melbourne. And then after eight hours of being held, the Border Patrol came back to him and said, you can't come in the country. And then they canceled his visa and they were going to deport him. He is appealing the process of his visa getting canceled, I guess still trying to play. And while the process is being appealed, he is being held at that hotel. He will not be able to be deported until Monday because of this appealed appealing process. So there's protesters outside that hotel in support of him. His father has been speaking out. His girlfriend and others have been saying that this is blackmail that they're doing, trying to get people to get vaccinated in order to play. And I want to point out that in the world of tennis, 30 of the world's top 100 players are unvaccinated. And he's not the only player who this has happened to in this particular tournament. There's another player who was reported today from the Czech Republic who had her visa canceled as well by the Australian border force. And she had also been previously cleared. So it appears that they are enticing them to come over. It reminds me of when you got kicked off the internet, your website. <laughs> yeah, said, WordPress. You know what? You're approved because he wasn't going <laughs> to come over there until they gave him approval. And then they gave him approval and he gets there. And because of some rules, kind of confusing rule, they ended up detaining him. 
I, I think you're probably right that there was a setup because yesterday I heard the prime minister of Australia, I believe it was, addressing this directly, saying there's going to be no special treatment for famous people or athletes or anything else. He didn't. He refuses to explain the grounds of his medical exemption or produce the paperwork behind it. So some other people in Australia were saying, look, the policy is for politicians. The medical stuff is for medicine men, you know, doctors. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about that. So the process of receiving approval has to go through, I think, two organizations related to the tennis world. And they analyze the exemptions anonymously. So they don't know whose exemption that they're looking at. This is how it's supposed to work. So if it did work that way, then his exemption would have gotten approved without them realizing it was him who who they were approving. And so he ends up tweeting out that he's going to be there, that he's been approved, and all of a sudden they know he's being approved. So then he gets to the border, and the border patrol says, you can't come in. And what the PM is saying the problem with or the confusion around the rule is that so he got the medical exemption from the tennis tennis board, the Australian Open, and I think the locale that that tournament is held in. But the prime minister is arguing that he did not get an, get an exemption to enter the country. Wow. Well, it sounds to me like he is getting held up by special rules in that he's getting scrutinized. You know, I don't know. I mean, who knows? But it does definitely seems like it's yeah. a pissing contest. Of some this kind. feels like something the way this is kind of blowing up this past week. I think this is going to get even bigger. This is like something that triggers wars, I think. <laughs> because the well, country, it's something that they use as an excuse for a war. Right, I know. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's a symbolic trigger of some sort of conflict. People in his home country are supporting him. They They love him. Over in Australia, apparently, where he's being held. Now, I don't know. This is just what's being reported. Said it's like 95% of eligible people are vaccinated and that they didn't want him there. So all of the people are celebrating this, which to me is crazy. A guy flies over. He's enticed to fly over. And then he's held at an airport for eight hours, forced to go to this place that they put maggots in the food allegedly fires break out there covid runs rampant in this building apparently oh my gosh really yeah, that's that's yeah it's like horrible <laughs> from what they describe and the citizens are celebrating up. their government treating somebody like i'm sure that. they'd love for him to get covid that's what i thought too when i read that they're trying to throw him into like a covid den and hope yeah. he catches it yeah like leper leprosy yeah i would watch so, out for this story since we're we're talking about um COVID and vaccines and stuff. The uh, Sarah from Ireland, one of our patrons, heard us talking about Aoife Berry. I think it was yesterday or the day before the woman who was in the in the collapse in Berkeley and her. She has a lot more detail because she's in Ireland. So I'm going to tell you about that. But the reason I want to read her side of the story versus what I got out of the U.S. press was I also so I went to I was talking to a. Someone recently who was traveling in France, and this is like a pretty normie kind of guy. And he said he was he was in France during the time where the issue with the horses at the border when the Haitians were coming over in, I guess, Mexico, wherever it was that he like, I don't know if he was whipping them or I don't know. Remember that whole story? Now they're not allowed to use horses anymore at the border. Do you remember that story? Yeah. So what he said is in France, they saw the whole clip. And what it was, was the Haitian guy was coming over with his wife and he was beating her. He was beating his wife. 
and that the guy on the horse was it was hitting him to get him off and he was saying you fucking asshole i don't understand oh sorry i don't understand why and you know this was stereotype but that's this is what the border guy was saying it's like I don't understand why you guys always beat your women. You can't do that. Do not do that. And what he had in his hand was his wide riding crop. It was, he was I don't I think I don't think he was whipping the guy. Uh, anyway, so in complete context, you see a much bigger picture. So I don't know what impression I really got from the U.S. story, but she said, she actually said other things. Happy New Year. Glad you folks are back. Thank you for the great white-pilled Christmas content. Your discussion with Noble was really moving. So I talked to Noble about having a special needs child. It was pretty cool. Anyway, you mentioned the death of Aoife Berry, the Irish girl involved in the Berkeley balcony collapse. It was a huge deal here. Ireland's so small that there's never six degrees of separation. People are much closer. So it was shocking to have such a large group of young people, all friends, and some were related to each other, gone all at once. Everyone here is familiar with that story. Aoife suffered huge injuries, broken bones, lacerations, internal organs, traumatic brain injury. She was in critical... Uh, condition and the stroke is reported to be a result of tbi okay so there some were rumoring or suspecting that her stroke even though she was recently vaccinated was actually results of this my contention about the vaccines and why people are going down shortly after them and attribute it to natural causes is that it undermines your some of your body's systems and functions so that when you could actually deal with that's why it's vulnerable people people with comorbidities who are going down it keeps your body from being able to deal with what it could deal with otherwise it's not everyone's going to just do bacon when five minutes after the shot like that's not what i'm saying and i could be wrong about this this is what it appears to me to be happening and i think you can just observe it in your own life i think you've observed it i've observed it i mean you know when somebody gets a blood disease yeah sure it could have been happened anyway or it could have been accelerated like basically every other illness is accelerated yeah for me it could be anything and we don't know it can be easy to fall into the trap of starting to assume everybody is being called everything you hear about is being caused by that but the problem is they don't even let you consider that in the conversation yes. as a possible condition when it's been written about, published by their sources that it is a cause of some of these conditions we're seeing. Yeah, a big problem is that <clears throat> there is absolutely no way to tell the difference between truth and lies in the mainstream propaganda. So all you can do is compare the story with what you've personally experienced and see if you can find the threads of truth in the facts to the extent the facts are even truthful. But she did go on to say something else, which I found very interesting because in the article I read, it said that she was talking about accountability for the construction companies, whatever. And we do have such a, um, there's so much regulation and accountability there. She says she wasn't asking for regulation of the industry, which as you say, is strongly regulated. The company that built the building, Segway Construction, had a record of malpractice claims against it, which they had not disclosed to the state licensing board. Those claims were related to not adhering to building codes, which was a cause of the balcony collapse. It's a specific issue, transparency of past performance in licensing. Uh, she says, hope this adds some clarity to a sad story. Super psyched for the DPP. And then she, this is my favorite part. Have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm glad that's really catching on. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I really, really, really love it. It's such a great, such a great message. Uh, but also, while I was reading my Patreon messages, Ash pointed out, and I, a couple of people sent me this, so thank you. Not sure if you guys are aware, Washington State is now, quote, considering a requirement for all students, K-12, to have the COVID vaccine. And it may be worth mentioning so people can have a chance to oppose it. I've linked an article below with details. So I put that link in the show notes, or I put it for you to put it in the show notes. Yeah, I've noticed also that the amping up of the vaccine checking the or the requirements and the mask they've really it's like they're making a final push to just yeah. really try and force people into this yeah and i and i do believe that it should fall short of any possible real legal action although in some countries not this one but they are able to find people. I think Greece is finding people over 60, which is incredibly regressive or progressive. So if you are in a in a government run home and you have no money, what's a fine? I mean, what do you care? So yeah. it's it really it really treats different people tr- differently. And I would consider that something that is usually doesn't pass constitutional muster here. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see what happens after the Supreme Court rules on those cases, on the regulations. The yeah, mandates. I didn't want to get into that because as of this broadcast, they have not yet ruled. Yeah. So we don't know. Uh, anyway, so the, this airline story just keeps coming up and there's no way it's not headed somewhere. There was a big article in the journal today. Now, I had a follow up on my airline read yesterday, which I didn't read, but the article in today's journal was spot on to that topic. It says, after two weeks of flight cancellations, airlines assess what went wrong. Omicron decimates airlines already stretched workforce, but not travelers' appetite to fly. So a few things just about that headline. Airlines assessing what went wrong. They're comparing Christmas with Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving doesn't have weather issues, and Christmas has weather issues. They also encourage people to not go because of if they feel sick. So they tell, in normal times, you don't tell your employees to stay home for any pretext whatsoever. Here, it's no questions asked. Not to mention, and nobody's mentioned this yet, but I think there might be something to it. They no longer charge change fees. So my family overbook what's a change fee change fee is if you book a flight two months in advance you get it for 300 bucks when when you change if you have to change your flight or cancel it there's a big fee for canceling it so it'll it'll take 150 bucks off of that and then if you wanted to change it you have to pay the increase in the rate but it also takes 150 bucks off so if you just now, now that's how it used to be. But now if you cancel your flight, you get the entire thing back, usually in an airplane airline credit. But still, it's like full value. You could go another time. So previously, I was always really hesitant to book a lot of tickets, like for my whole family or whatever. But now we totally overbook everything and then cancel what we're not using. So I'll book my sister to come visit me, but I'll also book me to come visit her and one of us will cancel. So, and I, I don't even think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just the way the rules are now. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of passenger cancellations. It said there's a ton, there, there was jillions of throughput. There's millions of people went through, but it, they cancel flights when the flights aren't full. If you, if a bunch of passengers cancel, they cancel a flight. They say that there's another reason for it, but that's not it. They don't fly when it's not full a lot of times. And that's the way it used to be anyway. So I don't know what's really going on there. 
but there's a lot of BS. And, uh, you know, for me, I always hesitate in the winter to fly because I know there's so much risk of a weather delay. Um, and I also find this idea of calling in sick, of being like too mentally impaired to like play your sport or whatever. This is very reminiscent to me of these highly socialistic kind of low pro- productivity welfare states in Europe and South America where people just, their default is to not go in. You know, they have a, a hardcore union job. It's impossible to get fired. They get eight weeks of vacation, you know, another four weeks of sick pay, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just this mentality where you get election days off, you get three days off for donating blood. Like there's, and and then when you have that, when you have employees who just like don't feel like coming in, you overhire, you underpay. Uh, it's hard to a lot of times then the government will come in and put rules into place where you can't just fire people, um, especially if they call in sick. That's not an OK reason to fire somebody. Then when you have a lot of restrictions on firing people, boy, that locks up the labor market hard and you cannot find another job because there's no vacancies. It's a terrible situation. We have higher employment, better um, work environments because of the I was going to say liberalism that that. um the liberty, that word is forever lost. But I also call into question that, oh, and they're saying that by mid-January, this all should normalize. And I'm saying by mid-January is when AT&T is going to start rolling out 5G and the FAA has threatened to not let planes use radar altimeters in inclement weather. So I would expect massive, massive cancellations if those two things happen in mid-January. So I don't expect them to attribute it correctly. But I also don't think that the cancellations are off the charts like that. I was going back and trying to see what December flight cancellations were in 2019. And it looked to me like it was um, like 1%, which would have been maybe 450 cancellations a day. And when I was reading yesterday, it said airlines canceled more than 1,000 flights for 11 straight days. 135,000 flights were canceled in the U.S. Um. Now, maybe that was previous. But anyway, so uh, more than a thousand flights for the 11th straight day when there are 45,000 flights a day. That's one in 45. So I guess that's maybe two percent. It is tough sometimes to differentiate if the numbers and the things that we're seeing on television are out of the ordinary or not, because the speed of communication and information travel has just been it's just ramped up so much in the social media agents it feels like especially the past couple of years that things that we may have never ever heard about before because we weren't as connected to everyone that we're going to hear about all the time now so it feels like and maybe even manifest more instances of many things you know if somebody dies that might be young a soccer player or something like that we might have never heard about that 15 years ago because we weren't all connected but now we hear about all of these things That's a great point. Yeah. See, I was not like blown away by the reports of how many flights were canceled because I've been I've been through that maybe one in four times I go to the airport. I I run into something like that. Serious delays anyway. So, yeah, it could be all they have to do is bring it to mind. Yeah. Cite a a quote. But I couldn't find actually I have to go back and look at my comparative numbers because I couldn't really find too much apples to apples stuff to compare. And normally 
in articles like that, it'll say they canceled a thousand flights out of 45,000 compared with 2019, the last normal year where it was X over that. So that is a big problem with a lot of these articles. Anytime it doesn't show me the, so what I used to do when I used to write red herrings or whatever public documents for bond offerings, you'd have to write all this stuff. You'd have to write year over year sales. Wait, what do you mean you write red herrings? Red herrings is like a, a prospectus for bond or stock offering is like the official SEC parameter, you know, consistent, um, compliant document for how you market a stock or a bond. Before it is an official document, you do a lot of like um, editing of it. And at that time, like the first, the draft print has a red cover so that you know it's not SEC approved and that's called a red herring. It's not a real thing and you can't think of it that way. You get in trouble if you printed something out like that that wasn't totally compliant. But in but I would write like the first page of that. That's one of the things I used to do. And you would always do apples to apples of like revenue of growth, blah, blah, blah. And it would be percentages. And you'd have to do a lot of adjustments so that you could show it in a way that was not misleading. So that's why when I read this stuff, it is it's clear to me that they mean they can't if they could tell you the real granular numbers on it, it would be really compelling and they would always do it. I think if they could. So when it's absent, it's the dog that didn't bark. And that's when I start trying to get the stats. And I find sometimes it's hard to get those stats. And that's also <laughs> telling. Yeah, it would just flood it with so much information that they can keep us uncertain. Well, it's just it's just people aren't used to analyzing stuff mathematically and they don't understand that just throwing stuff out there like most of the people in the hospital are um, unvaccinated. That's. I can't find that. All I can find is the stat that you are X times less likely to be in the hospital if you are vaccinated. But I, I, I even think that's just from a trial, not in the real world. But if you don't get the real, you know, people don't care about the it's like a fallacy. It's like a logical fallacy and argument. Mm. They're kind of numerical fallacies. And that's why statistics. So when we were doing that Rockfin thing the Rockfin deep dive yesterday and the guy was like teach kids statistics I immediately thought of statistics are the best way to lie because they're so convincing you have to really know how to read them so lies damn lies and statistics I think Mark Twain actually attributed that to somebody even prior to him yeah how to lie with statistics if you read that book it's a short quick read it just shows a number of real world real world examples that are very relevant, especially today, and how people can be manipulated or how they try to manipulate people using statistics. I would love to see that revised for twenty twenty two. There's plenty of like, there's a bunch of updated revisions of it. Oh really? Yeah. Oh that's fantastic. Oh, I, not for twenty twenty one yet. Like the pandemic. There has to be a COVID. Yeah, nobody version. will ever write that one. Not for like twenty years anyway, <laughs> or they'll be killed. Yes. Wait till everyone's dead, kind of like the Kennedy files. Yeah. Speaking of a lot of dead people. Biden was speaking about that yesterday. We commented briefly on his speech, but I wanted to go back to something because Kat pointed it out in email, something that I noticed as well. And it was just so blatantly obvious what Biden said, the way he was using language to manipulate. I'm going to read just a short little portion of his speech to you just to let you hear some of this crazy rhetoric that he was spewing yesterday. All right. So he's up there talking about the January 6th thing and whose fault it was. And he did one of those things where he did an imagine story. He got people to close their eyes and imagine what happened because if they thought about <laughs> it, it really happened. Wow. And, and so That's he's up crazy. There 
That's that's straight out of Black Lives Matter. This is what he says. He goes, here's the God's truth about what happened on January 6th. All right, so I just assume right now that he's about to lie. Right, yeah, here's the God's truth. (laughs) And he says, close your eyes. Go back to that day. (laughs) And make it up. (laughs) What do you see? Rioters rampaging, waving for the fir- raving for the first time inside the Capitol, the Confederate flag that symbolizes the cause to destroy America, to rip us apart. What else do you see? A mob breaking windows, kicking in Are doors. Are you kidding me? Reaching the Capitol. American flags on poles being used as weapons, being used as spears. Fire extinguishers being thrown at the heads of police officers. Now, I'll stop here to point out that that is a reference to how it was originally reported that Officer Brian Sicknick died. The media right. said he was bashed into the head, in the head but it with wasn't. a fire extinguisher, right. but that's not how he died. He had a stroke the next day, and he died a lower brainstem stroke, and he died. Yet Biden is up here saying, throwing, so he changed it a little bit. That's intentional, so you can't say that he lied. Right. Oh, right. That's what, that's what they say Elizabeth Holmes did. Yeah, maybe, he just, he th- maybe somebody threw a fire extinguisher at one point. They can say it was at the head of a police officer. Then he goes on. I don't believe anyone threw a fire extinguisher. I don't think anything happened. Or somebody maybe an FBI guy. a fire extinguisher yeah. and tossed it somewhere. Yeah. That's all the justification yeah. they need. Then he goes on to say, we saw with our own eyes rioters menacing these halls, threatening the Speaker of the House, literally erecting gallows to hang the Vice President of the U.S. And then he says, and this is what Kat was referencing in the email, what did we not see? What did we not see? Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. <laughs> yeah. What did we not see? We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack to attack sitting in a private dining room of the Oval Office. How does he know where he was sitting? In the White mm-hmm. House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours. Then he ultimately says, this wasn't a group of tourists. This wasn't a group of tourists. It was an armed insurrection. I mean, it was a, an extraordinary... It, it wasn't war. armed. If you go, I read, mean, if a flag is arms, but right. I'm not even, That's, you know. Yeah. And so CNN and others are going to, they've already tried to debunk this or saying there's people that were arrested that did have weapons on them. Most of them are legal weapons. Like some of them were for, some of them were people who were off duty that had guns. There's like one weapons charge for somebody holding an illegal weapon, I believe. But that's the that's the way they're debunking the armed insurrection thing. So Biden was jumping on board with that. I I would encourage you just to go watch that speech because it is a it's a a study in just propaganda language, word usage, rhetoric. That was a very very specifically constructed speech that he gave yesterday. I, that's shocking to me. And I know, um, I mean, I guess it's not shocking now that we've seen so much of it, but it's just, it is literally just fabricating it out of whole cloth. It's as if they staged something also out of whole cloth. Like, I don't even think they got anything going. No, I mean, and Biden during that speech, he's telling you to close your eyes and, and remember, imagine back to what you saw. Then he's telling you what you saw, which isn't what happened. Right, and when you put it in your mind, you will totally remember it. Right. But isn't that the exact same that's, tactic that was used in that yeah. Marxism thing that we did? Yeah, with this, the Black Lives Matter speaker. Yeah, they yeah. use these imagined stories. This is a persuasion technique that is that these people are trained to do, where you get people to visualize these events, and then you plug in what those events are to try and concrete them. Okay. Before we get to our deepest dive of the day, which is going to be about who is really pushing the ESG standards, this gives new meaning to the word leverage, I want to talk to you about what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is, was Britney Spears' dad right? And 
You'll never guess what Monica's drinking. (laughs) But before we get to that, I'd like to thank our sponsor of today's show, which is Granite State Spice Blends. Go to your spice drawer and check the ingredient labels on those plastic bottles of stale, discolored powder that have been been there for years. If you're seeing silicone dioxide, try, try calcium phosphate, monosodium glutamate, and a bunch of other scientific terms you can't pronounce. It's time for an overhaul. I mean, do you really want to eat the ground-up version of what's in those tiny packages you toss from your shoes, shoe boxes that clearly state do not eat? Well, That's what silicone dioxide is, and it's found in loads of FDA-approved foods disguised as anti-caking agents. I certainly wouldn't eat this, and I don't want anyone listening to the Propaganda Report eating it either. We need to stay healthy for the move into the tunnels. So after you chuck all of that (laughs) nasty stuff... Then, or use them to for pest control in your garden. Come on over to Granite State's Spice Blends and refill your pantry with a load of small batch spice blends that are sure to please. Matt Pierce and his wife Kim own and operate Granite State Spice Blends in Salem, New Hampshire. They are a craft spice blenders. They are craft spice blenders creating some tasty concoctions for meats, veggies, and anything else you want to add flavor to. Their ingredients are treated with the attention and care only a professional chef can give to such an important part of your food, the flavor. They toast all of the seeds and chilies over applewood and Fogo brand premium lump charcoal using a big green egg, which I personally love big green eggs, and lodge cast iron. And their herbs are muddled in a marble mortar to release the full flavor of aromatics resulting in a spice blend that will transform your food into something amazing. They never add any mystery fillers or chemically derived flavoring agents. It's just herbs and spices, baby. So out with the old and in with the new. Granite State Spice Blends will bring the right flavor to you. Find them at granitestatespiceblends.com. Live free or die. I almost forgot that Propaganda Report listeners that order online and use the code TUNNELPEOPLEUNITE10, that's TUNNELPEOPLEUNITE10, no spaces, all lowercase, will get 10% off their entire order. This coupon has no limits to use and no restrictions, so check them out. I love those guys. I love that the spices. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. good. I, got I just some put too. them in like sour cream and mayo and make dip out of them. That's really freaking Ooh, good. Wow, that makes me wish I knew how to make dip. That's it. I just told you how to make it. Like I'm dead serious. <laughs> like half mayo, half sour cream, and just get one of those packets and put as much in as you like, and then get yourself some carrots and. Fantastic. So you get a lot on, you get news and you also get recipes. <laughs> I do. It's like a little paradoxical because like I will, it's like when my brother was a uh, heroin addict, they gave us, they gave, brought a bunch of toast at the diner. They brought white toast and wheat toast and, and everybody wanted wheat toast. And he looks at my sister and he's like, I got, I can't eat. I can't eat white bread. I'm sorry. I, I love you. And he was really good. He'd give you the shirt off his back, but he just couldn't. And she's like, not for nothing. Not for nothing. You can have the wheat bread, but you slam two tons of heroin in your arm every weekend, but you can't eat a piece of white bread. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I know I'm not that bad, but I will have I will have some rather uh, elaborate cocktails. But on the other hand, like I won't even let my bone broth come to a simmer. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, so I do. Uh, it's a mixed bag with me, but I do always have something interesting. To yes, stick in you your do. Face hole. And I do want to encourage you guys to try Locals 
for a month free. You have one more week to try it. Is that correct? It's almost over. Yeah. Try locals free, all caps for a month. And then um, if you sign up in the next week, you get it for the next month free. And the reason to do that is to check it out because for a limited time only, there will be an introductory offer of $50 for a year of properport.locals.com where you get all of the community stuff, which is what's so awesome about it. But we post all of our XRs there, DMB XR interviews, extended interviews, everything is there. So you could listen to it if you don't mind listening to it in the app. Uh, so try it. If you try it over the next week to get the free one, you do have to cancel if you don't like it at all. But it's I think it's really a bargain. It's actually a little too much. of a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> so that is not going to last. I can tell you. Fantastic. All right. Now on to the final story of the, or the deepest dive of the day. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. And we are really these deep dives are making this show a complete marathon because we do all our stories and then the deep dive is like another 10 minutes. But this is not only a regular deep dive. It's a deep dive double header because we both had the same deep dive from different angles. So mm-hmm. do you want to lead us off? Mine is a little bit of a nitty gritty. So why don't you give us the bigger picture? Because what I have to say comes right off of what you have to say, which is really weird, actually. Yeah. So the World Economic Forum has been publishing these articles every day since the beginning of the year, basically, and even before the end of the year about how different groups can help usher in these ESG standards, which is kind of the great reset model of governance. So they get corporations around the world and non-governmental operations to implement these standards that everybody adheres to. And they're basically like their environmental social governance standards, social justice, climate change standards that would subvert local governments. So if they can get all the corporations around the world to do it, yeah, the transparency, yeah. complete data transfer, yeah. th- this is... It's really total control at an international level, and they basically use Marxist appeals to get the broader public to support stuff like this. And the one we talked about yesterday was they were appealing to these intergenerational wealthy global families to invest their money into companies for the purpose of controlling them and try to force themselves onto the board of these companies. And then if there was ever a problem where these companies weren't meeting the standards, they threatened to revoke all the money to kind of hold them hostage and force them to continue doing the ESG Klaus Schwab model. Today, they were talking about venture capitalists and how venture capitalists are hugely important in implementing these ESG standards in new and emerging companies. Really, it it makes sense because they get to choose who succeeds at a certain level, and then they can control them with the funding. But they point out in the article, the, the World Economic Forum does, that VCs have been slow to adopt ESG standards, to, to think about ESG standards when they're thinking about who they're going to invest in, which actually makes perfect sense because in investing in an ESG company, a venture capitalist would be investing in a company whose primary goal is not driven by the shareholders, but is driven by the stakeholders, which is the broader community. So the, the profits are taking a back seat, and as a venture capitalist, they're in the game to make profits. And the only way you can get them to think of it as a profitable thing is is either give them subsidized financing or a tax break or make it clear to them that no startup that they support will be able to survive in the regulatory regime that these guys are going to get implemented in X amount of time. Right. And if they can get VCs on board to create this standard where they're investing in these 
stakeholder capitalism, great reset companies that put the broader community, climate change, social justice first, then people who want money will start doing that. And we'll see more. So completely consistent with this article in the Wall Street Journal today that I read, but I don't keep going. Yeah, I'll give you the quick rundown of what they said about- I was wondering why this article was in the, in the Wall Street Journal today. Yeah, I've, it, I've seen a lot of coordinated and parallel it didn't, Right, and they don't places. capitalize ESG. They write it out. They don't cite World Economic Forum. It's like Build Back Better. They don't talk about how yeah. this is all coming from some central thing. It's it's like disturbing. It really is. It's, it's extraordinary when you see the level And the timing, when did you see that article? I saw this one yesterday, last night. Okay, this is was in the journal today, and I just spent my... We literally had the exact same thing. Yeah. Your thing from World Economic Forum was the same day as the Wall Street Journal brought it up, and right. it's. but in my case, it's BlackRock, which is the big companies, and I even have a place like, what do they do about the companies that aren't public yeah, and yet? They're, they're and that's what they're doing. That them. was they're a question the, in my deep dive. Yeah, one of the major partners of the World Economic Forum, the... World Economic Forum seems to be doling out a lot of the worldwide initiatives that we're seeing. So here's why, and this speaks to what I was saying a moment ago, why the World Economic Forum says that the VCs are historically slow to implement the ESG thinking when it comes to their investing. An insistent pursuit of generating outsized returns by focusing on investing, building, and scaling startups that generate a rapid growth at all costs. The lack of pressure on VC firms to focus on ESG and a lack of diversity are likely the reasons for the slow ESG update. So that's they're focusing on their shareholders. That's why they're slow to do that. And they don't like that. So Here's what they want venture capitalists to do. They believe the venture capitalists are a critical force in shaping the future of people, planet, and society. And they say that what can you do as an early startup venture capitalist to stay ahead of the, the curve here? They want them to analyze second and third order impacts on your product and any changes in your strategy that may open up new world of ESG risk and opportunities. So second and third order impacts are going to be the social community type impacts. And those are going to be very arbitrary and determined. Those are the types of things that can be anything. And then they say, in the raising funds, the VC firms that can help grow a business while also building ESG capacity is another important step. So that's just, that's like laying the foundation. Just like in a child, you lay the foundation of their future by indoctrinating them. You're indoctrinating these baby companies with ESG standards so that they remain, so you don't have to force them upon them later. And then they give some specific instructions. And they say, this is directly from the World Economic Forum website, they say, for instance, in implementing this stuff, over 50% of Gen Z and millennial consumers would boycott a company for not being eco-conscious. So that's what you want to factor in. You want to be invest in eco-conscious companies, or as a company, you want to make it known that you're eco-conscious. Then they say applying that same line of thinking to ESG data, it's important to determine one to three metrics that matter for your business stage of your startup. For instance, tech startups could begin by focusing on data privacy and diversity metrics and say it's important to note, note what they choose and to make it known publicly. And then they say focus on the unintended sustainability issue. Bring your customers into your sustainability conversation and be transparent about the ESG being a work in progress and your transparency with your customers will be your first line of defense to unintended consequences. That's a lot, but it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of that where the use of transparency as a way to get out of the future problems you know is going to happen. Look, we're implementing this new thing. Yes, it could kill a bunch of you, but 
So they give that little out. We're seeing that with the vaccine as well a little bit right now. And they want them to raise funds to anticipate new ESG issues. And they want the company to scale up around those new issues, around social justice issues. And they talk specifically about climate change, about putting board members as people of color. So a lot of the specific initiatives that involve race, equality, gender, they must be implemented into the fabric of a company and then scaled. When you think about that, you see how you can turn the world into a fascist dictatorship run by Klaus Schwab if all of the companies in 50 years are built around those ESG climate social standards. Absolutely. So let's just uh, make my segment... I was real wordy. I apologize. uh, Sorry. But let's do just make it a part two. So I'll do the deep dive on Monday and make that a part two. Okay, great. And yeah, uh, I mean, they, they're doing this all week. So they got a lot of stuff. Like if you really want to tune in to what's going on with the Great Reset, follow the World Economic Forum. Is right that now. because when is Davos? Is it happening now? Davos is coming up, I think, like the 20th. Well, that would explain. Yeah, that would explain it. Okay. Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your great insights. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you guys next time or in the dmbxr or tonight at the patron party the dpp have a fantastic rest of your day